This is episode two of the Client Experience Revolution. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and my guest today is Katie McLaughlin. Katie is a dear friend of mine and also an expert in all things corporate culture. She brings to the corporate culture field her theater background in the business world. She transforms team cultures and helps all people, but especially leaders, developing critical skills for success in business. She boasts 10 years of leading teams as a manager, head of learning and development. She has 15 years experience as facilitator and coach, and she's worked in industries like tech, software, banking and finance, healthcare, retail and hospitality. Katie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Raya. I'm excited to talk today. You are so welcome, and we are so excited to have you here. So as you know, the show is dedicated to the client experience and to customer service in general and the way that that plays out over a variety of industries. And so I'm fascinated to hear your experience from really on the inside of corporate and how that intersects with humanity and people on the outside. So tell us a little bit more about your background, aside from the bio that I was able to share with our customers. And your experience that brings you to really dive into corporate culture. So this is actually going to be news to you because we haven't talked about this, but I started my career in the for-profit world in customer service and as a, you know, phone rep, email rep at a retail company. And I am super passionate about just creating experiences for people where people feel good. And that really started back in the day when I was, you know, on the phones talking to individual customers. And as I transitioned into leadership and management and then also into learning and development, I realized that at its core, everything is customer support and customer service and sales. You know, in the business world, we need to be convincing people and negotiating and persuading, which are all tactics that a salesperson might use. And we also need to be listening and caring for people. And I've just always brought those tenets of the one-on-one communication into all of the training and the way that I have led different teams in my life. And recently, I've realized that from the inside of corporate cultures, it can be really easy to only see things the way that you see them. It can be really easy to have kind of tunnel vision within your own culture and not even realize how to fix them. And so I've decided to bring my theater experience back into the business world through my own business and coming in as a third party to help support leaders and team members to transform their cultures and create ultimately a better experience for their employees. And of course, that trickles down into all the customers that the company can reach. I can't wait to unpack that a little bit more, but I wanted to kind of piggyback on that because two things popped into my mind when you said that. First, isn't it funny how customer service is almost like a swear word? Like when we tell people that we worked in customer service that they automatically consider that to be something lesser. I think that's so funny. Like (laughs) I was just thinking back to my early years and like high school and early 20s. And then the other thing that I was thinking about when you were talking about corporate culture is I would love for you to kind of expand on what you mean when you say culture, because in the same way that customer service has kind of been changed in the way that we talk about it, and even on this show, it's called the client experience, you know, and they talk about customer experience or client experience or CX, because I think that those have become sort of out of fashion ways to say, you know, the care that we give clients. I think the word corporate culture has changed in its meaning too. And so I would love to get your take on what exactly does corporate culture mean? Is that encompassing? 
encompassing of actual international different cultures or are you talking about something completely different? I kind of have an idea what you're going to say, but I really want to hear you say it and get your explanation for the listeners as well. Fundamentally, culture is a lot about people. It is that people side of the business. And there's a lot of ways in which corporate culture has really kind of become a buzz phrase, I think, in our society today. And there's a lot of things that or tenants that people associate with corporate culture, like company values and the perks that a company has or the things that happen that bring people together at work, for example, like the company offsites or all hands meetings or team happy hours. But those are the kind of things that all kind of get wrapped up into corporate culture. And too often, I actually see companies forgetting that culture is in everything that we do in a company when we relate to or communicate with another person. It is also about how we approach our work, the amount of time spent at work, how we treat others in the workplace, what we actually bring home from work. Too frequently, I know in my own career, I've felt like I bring home a lot of my work, either because I there's too much of it, which is pretty common, or because I really care about the work and I really want to do more. And sometimes it's the expectation that you bring it home. But more frequently, when I have personally have brought homework, it's the stressors and the frustrations and the, can you believe this happened? you know, kind of things. And a lot of people's story in the workplace that we don't actually get to leave work at work. So corporate culture is is actually a lot more nuanced and more complex. And it can be really challenging as a leader and even as a person who works at a company to define that. That's so good. That's so good. What about what's your reaction to the whole buzzwords of customer service? I feel like nobody even ever says that anymore. Like I work in customer service. Right. It definitely has become more of a swear word. I think that's a really interesting observation. I think even the words like customer support also is is a phrase that doesn't get used enough. And I think at least from my experience, because I've worked in a lot of different, either I've been in that role, right, or I've supported a lot of customer support teams. And when I've been training customer support reps, one of the things that I often have to bring up to them is how the impression of the average consumer of customer support has often been tainted by bad customer support. So typically they have to work extra hard as a customer support rep to not be seen as that person who has no power, no authority, can't actually get them an answer, and also commonly doesn't speak English or can't relate to their culture and their needs. Okay, yeah, I think that you're absolutely onto something there in terms of the something that is really intended to be a gift back to the community and a way of connecting meaningfully with the business turns into this negative connotation. And then these people who are really trying to do something good and provide solutions are blamed and or mistreated for experiences that they've had in the past. And I think that's such a shame. I wanted to ask you, what do you think... Are there misconceptions about culture in general? And then what do you think is, what are the most important things about building a positive culture inside of the workplace? Many of the misconceptions about culture are that can be most strongly influenced from the top down. 
A lot of our typical organizational structures have a pretty strong hierarchy, you know, with our org chart, with kind of the C-suite at the top, and then everybody reporting in in a cascading fashion up into that. There's been a lot of research out there about how many times these org structures in and of themselves aren't serving a lot of businesses because of these different weird power dynamics that can be created just literally by putting somebody above somebody or below someone on a piece of paper, it can make a really big difference in the overall experience for individuals at a company. So corporate culture can't just be a top-down initiative. It has to pervade every part of a culture. And there's typically not enough focus on the small things, those daily interactions or the small interactions, even on a cohesive team itself, that can make a really big difference in someone's perception of a culture overall. Yeah, you're hitting it right on the head there. I wanted to ask you, it seems like you've worked in a lot of industries. And for the listeners out there, we're actually friends. So this is a really cool experience because I'm learning a lot about Katie and where our historical professional paths may have crossed. But since you've worked in these variety of industries, what have you seen? You know, what is your perspective in the talent, the learning development space? And share with us some of the interesting things that you've seen in regards to corporate culture and really what are some of the things that disrupt that? So you might think that by working in these different industries that they're completely different. But what I found is that at the end of the day, most companies have a lot of the same problems where managers get promoted out of the strongest crop of individual contributors. And then they get very little to no training on how to be a manager. And those people just continue to persist without having any training, and then they get promoted again, and on and on and on. And that really creates this snowball or ripple effect where we have a lot of people in businesses who are in charge of initiatives, managing teams, who were really good once at the things that they did as an individual contributor, and probably have learned a lot along the way. But that doesn't always translate into being a good people person. That's really tends to be the core of where I see a lot of things go wrong in cultures. The managers that I've seen and worked with often are too focused on looking up. They're looking up to please one of their clients, which is their direct manager, which is often a you know department leader or sometimes in the C-suite. And they're less concerned about their other big group of customers, which is when they look down in the org chart, and those are their people who are reporting directly to them. And those people need something very drastically different. It's something that, you know, Raya and I talk a lot about, about thinking about who are our customers in our business and, and how do we better serve them. And I know that these managers often don't think about the fact that they have two very different customers who have really different needs and different profiles, and they have to serve them differently. Then what I've also seen kind of happen trickle down the line when that kind of goes unchecked and unfixed, then I see teams where, you know, we've got a group of people who are, you know, ostensibly peers, right? They're doing similar jobs and that within that group, that can be where culture goes wrong really quickly. What happens with these different teams I typically see 
is there are these weird power dynamics and hierarchical structures that get built just through regular group dynamics. If you think back to, you know, high school, some of those stereotypical things that happen in high school where people group off into cliques, there are people who are from different tenures, and they get to kind of take the reins of different things. And when left unchecked, that can be really damaging to a group of people for being able to have all people have a voice and flourish and do well in the company. That's really funny that you said that because immediately when you started to talk about the dynamics within the peer teams, my first thought was middle school. I mean, like for sure, you know, like you've got the queen bee, you've got the jock, you've got the, you know, the people that run the show. And then you've got the people who are afraid, you know, kind of hiding in the background or just they have a strong opinion, but they don't feel like it's even worth it to open their mouth and to share that opinion. Yeah, you know, I'm super passionate about this topic. And I'm always trying to, to better understand how do we even quantify something like this, like the impact of a team dysfunctioning in this way, right? I saw this amazing stat on Forbes that said employees who feel their voice is heard are 4.6 times more likely to feel empowered to perform their best work. That's incredible. And when people don't have that voice, then you become disengaged, you stop giving your best, you stop speaking up and adding ideas. And that's how a lot of companies and teams get stuck doing things the way they've always done them and why they lose some of their best people. Yeah, that's an amazing statistic. And I think that's going to resonate true for a lot of people. I want to get into how your work in particular takes out of the box techniques and really helps dig into that. But I also wanted to ask you, what do you think the trickle down effect is from this middle school peer team clicky corporate culture that can happen as a result just of the structure of a company, you know, being stuck in this quandary of like reporting leaders having to report to their higher ups, and then also not really recognizing the effect that they're having on the people below them. And then really, right, there's a third party involved. And that is the people that they serve in the community. And if we want to take it even further, there's the families of of the employees and all of that. So I wanted to um, get your opinion on that and how these corporate culture situations can spill out outside of the workplace. Well, you are definitely reading my mind because these, these interactions do have that ripple effect. The things that we experience in our lives as human beings, we then dish those back out to others. So whether that's, you know, when we bring our work home and we're irritable because we're not getting the recognition we feel we deserve at work, and then we go home to our spouses and our families and we expect more from them, that's maybe not fair, right? Because it's just really displaced frustration. And then, you know, we're going to feel less likely to go out into our communities and give back. So it really can be a challenging dynamic where I believe that we, when we have healthier workplaces, at the bottom line, we have healthier businesses. We ultimately have healthier families and healthier communities. As an entrepreneur myself, and I've worked for a lot of passionate business owners who started something because they saw a problem that they knew they could solve, that's what that business is there to do, like to make a ripple effect on all of their customers. And I think if a lot of leaders and especially founders really knew how deeply hurt a lot of their team members were, they would better understand why they're not getting a lot of the business results that they're getting. Because you've got to take care of your own first before you can take care of others. That rings 
so authentic to me. I know there was a situation that way back in the day, way, way, way back in the day, you and I had talked about where there was a situation where the workplace just felt really heavy and there was a lot going on. You couldn't even say, you know, how are you today? It was tell me one good thing today. Or what was it? The words that you used, there was something in, there was a phrase that you used, but it was like something to just focus on that positive. Yeah. So my team and I experienced some upsets where there was a lot of leadership change and things were really uncertain. And I knew that as a leader, I was distraught and was feeling a lot of heartache and uncertainty around my job and what was going to happen. And meanwhile, I had to look down and, you know, I don't mean that I was looking down upon them, but like I had my team who was looking up to me and they were newer in the workforce and had never experienced anything like what, what we just went through. Neither had I for that matter, but I knew I had to look out for them and I had to take care of them. I knew that one of the things that would not work, which I think a lot of leaders do is just fake it, right? But I knew that I had to be real with them of like, I don't know what's going on. But what I do know is that there are certain things we can control. And I instituted a practice with my team that very day that anytime we spoke or saw each other, we needed to celebrate a win. And we started, so we used Slack for our inter-team communications and I was a remote manager. And periodically, anytime we would have a win, we would put it in our Slack channel with hashtag training wins. And we did that. It was hard at first. It was hard for me too, because we're so conditioned, especially as managers to, you know, look for feedback and improve things. And, you know, as women be critical of ourselves, but it was so rewarding to be able to instill, especially I had a team of women. So to instill in, in my team of women, a sense of respect for themselves that they had earned a win. Very few of them were really big. They were a lot of little wins. One of my team members had been struggling for a while. And I remember one of her wins was I sat through this meeting with these subject matter experts where I was trying to get, you know, some content for them because this was my training team and we were building out training. And she said, and I didn't feel entirely lost the whole time. And that was a win for her. And that was a win for our whole team. And it felt so good for her to be able to call that out and that I could support her in that. And it was one of the most beautiful things that I did with that team. And it's something I encourage any leader out there to do and, and really any person. We all have wins every day and we don't give ourselves nearly enough credit for the good things that we accomplish and do every day. That's it. I'm including you on my team's Slack channel and there will be a channel that says, or workspace, and there'll be a channel that says training wins and Katie McLaughlin. Yes, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Katie, I want to hear more about, you have a really unique technique in the way that you work with teams in the workplace to alleviate stress and improve communication. Tell us a little bit about the techniques that you use in the workplace. So because I've talked about how culture is not just about all those, you know, checklist items that you do to make people happy. I've realized that we actually need a forum for dealing with what I refer to as the muck, the stuff that kind of festers and that really can kind of corrupt our teams and corrupt our culture. A lot of that has to do with the dynamics, like I've mentioned, with these hierarchies that come into play. And in our cultures, we don't have in the larger American culture, but I know as I've gotten more exposure to other cultures outside of the United States, there's a perception that feedback or asking for help are bad. And we don't have a really good skill set to communicate in words when people hurt us. 
And it's why a lot of hurt and pain continues to happen. So what I do is I bring a group of techniques called image theater into the workplace. And it's a technique that was developed to be used in cultures where people didn't speak the same language. But we all can communicate with our bodies, with our facial expressions. And as we all know, that whole phrase, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? It's a similar concept where I put people into situations where I give them prompts to illustrate a common scenario that they would encounter in their workplace, either about their team. So for example, create an image of typical team meeting and a group of people would have to use their bodies and their facial expressions to create an image of that. They don't get to talk about it. They just have to contribute to creating that image. And what's beautiful about work like that is that we don't have to use words in order to communicate the way people feel or in order to communicate the type of like how people can feel ostracized in a team or can feel other. It's really easy to show that when you can show that, you know, there's two or three people grouped together and then there's this one person standing off to the side. That is a very illustrative thing for both the leader and a team to see. And after doing one of those exercises, then we can have a conversation about what was shown in those exercises, rather than going back and saying, hey, manager or hey, team member, you hurt me because that's a really hard thing to do. People don't like to do that. No, and that's really powerful. I think that's an amazing way to do that in a non-confrontational way. Exactly. So I applaud you for that because that's, you know, I'm all about thinking outside of the box in many ways. And I think that's an incredible way of illustrating that without pointing the finger, literally. Exactly. And it's not all really serious topics, right? In order to get to that place where I can get people to be real and show that that's how they feel in some of those situations, we do a lot of improv games and exercises and we do have fun. So there are some team building aspects to the work that I do, but the advantage to working with somebody like me is that I am really trying to help a company reveal and see the things that they can't see normally provide a safe space for that. So that way they can move forward. Because once we've dealt with the muck, then all those other things, the more traditional checklist associated with corporate culture can make a really big difference. But while that muck festers, it's really difficult for any of those other things to make it a big deal. Awesome. Okay, so I'm going to ask you some pointers and takeaways for specific groups. And this will be like rapid fire. So if you were to give some pointers or takeaways to improve our culture specifically for all people, what would you say would be a good pointer or takeaway? First and foremost, celebrate those wins, right? Celebrate the wins for yourself. Call them out for yourself. I have a little Google form that I created for myself where I log them daily and celebrate them for other people. And also have more compassion for others in the workplace. We don't know someone else's point of view or perspectives or why they might be reacting in a certain way or be approaching something in a different way. And we could all have a lot more compassion for both ourselves and the others in the workplace. Awesome. Okay. So what about for managers or leaders in particular, what would you give them in terms of pointers and takeaways from our talk today that they could use right away in the workplace? Remembering that you have two customers. So the actions that you have with your team and the actions you have with your managers, but your team first and foremost, make sure you're tailoring the work that you do with your team members to them and their unique personality, their work approach, and be really aware of the things that you reward on your team. There's likely things and behaviors that you're rewarding on your team that you don't want to persist. 
What would you say to people who are supporting employees in an environment that maybe isn't the best? How can we be better family members and friends? Are there things that we can be doing on the outside of work that can help improve the culture on the inside of work? Ooh, that's a great question. And what a beautiful image to think about how can we can all support each other. I think compassion is really like the word of the year for me because too frequently, and I see it in myself, it's something I'm working on, but it's so easy to take things personal. And it would be really great to offer a little extra compassion to those team members, but also ask them, what's up? How are things going? And from my experience working in talent and in HR, too many people never spoke up about the problems they were experiencing in the workplace. And I know it's hard and scary. As a person who supports others, you know, as a family member, community member, encourage them to speak up. There are people who work in their talent and HR organizations, and there are also good managers out there. So speak up, make sure that your voice is heard, and offer feedback around what you're feeling. That's awesome. I love that. I want to run home and do that for all of my people. (laughs) And then everyone who's listening, please do that for me too. Because even in the best of work environments, everyone has their days, right? Where you're going to have the off day and you need that support. So that's amazing advice for anyone. Okay. So Katie, you work mostly with corporations or with companies that have teams that are anywhere from what, 10, 15 plus people on the team where you would be doing these types of workshops. Tell me a little bit about what they can take away, these companies. And if I'm off on the size, then tell me that too, but how they can incorporate some of these tips to improve the corporate paradigm from the inside out. First and foremost, it's making sure that there is a space for everyone to have a voice at the table. Most of the companies I've ever worked for were always running so fast that we don't take the opportunity to reflect and to create space for building that team, getting feedback and working on ourselves. If you've ever seen one of those like hierarchy diagrams of things that are urgent or important versus not, almost every company and most managers I've ever worked with focus only on the important and urgent or sometimes the urgent and not important things. And we don't spend enough time on the important and not urgent things. And that's what culture is really about. It's making sure that you spend that time with those people. I typically work with companies that are, you know, a hundred to 300 employees and typically one team at a time. But I also work with an entire management team and helping trickle down these techniques and perspectives into the entire organization, and then hopefully work with each of their teams from there on out. But I can also work with much smaller companies, especially where I could get everybody from the company, probably a smaller startup, I could get everyone from the company in the same workshop. That's a really great opportunity to lay a really strong foundation before bringing in too many additional people. Then you already have some patterns and habits in place that are really positive. And as we're seeing from a lot of the data out there, company culture tends to be a retention driver for companies. Not only do they retain their own employees, but it also allows that to be a great thing for them to use in recruiting and I'm sure many people out there have gone to Glassdoor or other places to look at reviews for the company they're going to work for. And when you go see a lot of positive reviews, that makes you want to work there. So I would love to work with 
any company out there that thinks that I could help them out. Well, Katie, thank you so much for being on the program today. I want to, as a parting gift for myself, but also for our listeners, I wanted to ask you, what is something that you're either listening to or reading or something that you've heard recently that has really impacted you? I'm really big on podcasts and TED Talks and books and different things like that, but it doesn't have to necessarily be corporate culture related, just so people can get a better sense of who you are. Is there something that has been in your sphere in the last week or two? that you have really taken to heart that you'd like to share with us today? So I am often listening to a lot of inspirational things or reading inspirational books. Most recently, one of the books that I've been working through, I feel like a lot of these books, you could read them quickly, but I like to take my time because I feel like there's such beautiful topics in there that I can get a lot from. Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert has been oh, a really so good, right? Like it's just been really beautiful for me, you know, especially as a business owner, it is a very creative pursuit and I'm a creative person in general. And there's so many misconceptions about creativity in society today. And she really debunks a lot of them and really challenges a lot of the misconceptions there. So that's amazing. And I was listening to a couple of Oprah's Super Soul conversations this weekend. Cheryl Strayed, The Humble Journey to Greatness was really awesome. And last but not least, my other favorite podcast is the Secular Buddhism Podcast. I'm really trying to cultivate a sense of more mindfulness in my life. And the I one love I, that. I listened to this morning was about be able to be more okay with nothing, uh, like nothingness. So essentially being okay, being bored, <laughs> which is something, you know, a top performer, entrepreneur, etc. It's a hard thing to do, but it's something I'm trying to cultivate more of. I love that. Thank you, Katie, so much for being on the show today. And thank you for being my very first guest. I'm such a nerd, but that makes me so happy. <laughs> I am so honored. Thank you so much for asking me. I've loved having our conversation today. Yes, absolutely. Katie, tell people, first of all, what can the Client Experience Revolution do for you? And where can our listeners find you? The Client Experience Revolution, I think every person can make an even stronger impact on the world by every single interaction. And so if I can inspire anybody here to do that, that would make me so happy because I just really believe in our individual power to make a difference. I am looking to talk with and to meet with leaders and also team members who have had stories that resonate with this. I'm eager to hear more people's stories to add to you know my understanding of some of the challenges that happen in the workplace so I can better serve my customers. And best place to reach me right now is on LinkedIn and more to come. Perfect. Will you spell your first and last name for people so they make sure they get the right Katie McLaughlin? Yes. And I'll make sure to give you my direct LinkedIn link. But my first name is Katie, K-A-T-I-E. My last name is McLaughlin, M-C-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N. Awesome. Okay, well, this has been an absolute pleasure. I thank you so much for being my very first guest and just being such an impactful one. And the world needs to watch out for Katie McLaughlin. She's making some serious changes in big ways to corporate culture and doing it for the better. So this has been episode two of the Client Experience Revolution. And we thank Katie McLaughlin and all of you for listening today. And we will catch you next time on episode three. This is Raya Gonzalez. Thank you.